Comrebyug. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Digital Tiny Room. Come rain, shine, or COVID-19, we'll always be here, except when we take two breaks a year, one at Christmas and one in summer, very briefly. I am the Michael of Michael and Benjamin's podcast, and I am joined by the man from whom I learned this week that inside every Benjamin, there is a strong, confident woman. It's Benjamin. I am every woman, Michael, and I'm back. Yeah, look, Ben, that'll that'll pay off later. That's a little hint for what we're going to talk about later. Ah, uh, nice. I love a little bit of foreshadowing on my podcast almost as much as I love the theme music. <gasps> theme music for the podcast. We don't actually have any theme music. <laughs> Buttery smooth, Benjamin. Benjamin... <laughs> The biggest, yes. uh, the biggest release in the world of uh, science fiction, fantasy, uh, superheroes, and dark fantasy and science fiction fantasy this week is Code Eight, featuring Stephen Amell. Steve, Mister Stephen Amell, the Green Arrow Mr. himself, the Hood himself, yeah, the Spectre himself, the Spectre. Himself. It just look, uh, yeah, great. We're we're going to be watching that this week, apparently, Michael. We're going to watch it later, Ben, but we can't really talk about it this week because we haven't bloody well seen it yet, have we? Uh, no, but we're just going to do a little bit of foreshadowing for next week's episode, ladies and gentlemen. Very good. A bit of foreshadowing for next week's episode. So yeah, that'll be good. That'll be that'll be golden. What's it about, Michael? I don't know, Ben. It's about superheroes. I think it's about a man who has superpowers and some friends. How different for Stephen Amell? Okay. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a it's a it's a feature film version of a short film that they made a few years ago. Good to see him stretching his range there. Yes. Good to see him stretching his range. The green I finally arrow. finished I finally finished with that restrictive, you know, pigeonholing role of mine and superheroes and stuff. What kind of amazing project could I do next? I could do a gritty drama, I could do a touching romance, I could do a deep and thoughtful reflection on the universe through character work. I could no, do I'll a, do another superhero flick. I could do a thing where I get fat. I could do one of those. I bet you they seem to be quite popular. Yeah, he'd probably love to get fat. Ah, oh, who wouldn't after all those workouts? Nom, 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 nom. No just, more salmon just... ladders for Stephen Amell. Oh, screw that. The salmon only, ladders. The only ladder he'd be going up was the ladder to get the salmon the, to eat. We should, de- we should definitely do a salmon ladder vlog. How to get your salmon ladder game up. I reckon I can do a salmon ladder. We could uh, call it Bear With Us because it's got salmon in it. And... Bit tenuous. Ah, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna stick it in anyway. Michael, we've tenuous. done we've done we've done more with less. <laughs> but Ben, speaking of tenuous, uh, you this week sent us a video from Anthony Mackie. I did, I did. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of tenuous, well, Michael, as you know, in this in this lockdown limbo, yeah, that we're currently experiencing, mm-hmm. there's there's feck all new being put out into the world. Code eight um, with Stephen Amell. Code eight with Stephen Amell, which we haven't seen yet. Um, and Michael, as you know, when we haven't seen something, it's it's like it never happened never until happened. we have seen it. Yeah, never happened. Um, yeah, because that's that's the the podcast logic that we run off here. That's our belief system here at the podcast. Um, but on top of that, Michael, yes, um, I, I was taking a look at the internet. I'm going through the the internet archives. You're gonna you're gonna finish the internet. All right. Yes, I'm gonna finish the internet finally after years of trying. And and I stumbled across a little a little thing by Mister Mister Anthony Mackey. Or as you might know him, much to his chagrin, apparently, yeah, the Falcon. <laughs> oh, uh, I know him as the Clarence Falcon. from Eight Mile. Ben, the film Eight Mile. Oh, he's not Clarence from the Eight. He is. Oh, from Eight Mile. Yes, yeah, sorry. No, I should have gotten that. I was confusing. I was confusing Eight Mile with the Green Mile. No, they're and different. I was like, that's Michael. That's Michael Clark Duncan. No, he's a much know. bigger man. That's, that's quite racist. 
<laughs> ah, that'll get me in trouble. Yeah. Fun. Um, so anyway, uh, and he was giving a little speech at some kind of Comic Con or look some like, such. To look like an MCM Comic Con. Look like an MCM Comic Con, which we have dubious feelings about at the best times. But um, huh? it looked like an MCM Comic Con, and. One of the things I found fascinating about this was, Michael, he seems to be very candid in his bashing of the movie industry yeah. in this particular interview. Uh, I, which I thought was, I thought that was a brave choice for a man whose bread and butter comes from a bunch of superhero films made by a corporation. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had, he had some stones uh, going into that one, Michael. Um, or just a complete lack of self-awareness, which I, I fear it might be the latter, but we'll, we'll see. It could be a bit of both. Look, the thing was over two years ago, Ben. Anyway, he gives out about um, sequels and movies for kids and movies for China, even though the Chinese are a grand bunch of lads. Grand bunch of lads, please sponsor us at the podcast. And he basically decries... The, that's not the right word. He basically uh, predicts the end of the cinema-going experience. Yes, two years ago, when there was no COVID-19 outbreak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure he was successful in that prediction. It's an interesting video. Um, basically, he says that the 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 age of the, the movie star has come and gone, to which yeah. the rest of the world kind of says, okay. Good. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, like, I don't, I don't see why that's a relevant point to make. And then he kind of says the problem with modern cinema is that you root for a character. But I I just found it very interesting, Michael. I sent it to our, our little WhatsApp group, Sean Rebjog, mm-hmm. where a good friend of the pod uh, and sometimes uh, nemesis of myself on the internet, uh, Shane, had a little, had a little uh, analysis on it. It was quite a succinct analysis. It's a little, bit, um, a little bit holier than thou, his attitude towards cinema. And he seems to be bemoaning the fact that Cinema goers and narratives have evolved past using a celebrity to make a character. Yeah. Um, I, I, I found it very interesting. I would have thought that's a good thing. I, I, I also would have thought it was a good thing. But he also made an interesting point on, on how the cinema going experience has, has become something of a, a cash grab for cinemas because they have to try and stay afloat. I um, mean, the cinema has always been expensive, hasn't it? Well, you see, this is the thing, Michael... It's it's gotten more expensive in Ireland, but in Ireland, I still think it's more reasonable than it is in many other places around the world. Hmm. I think I think in the United States, you pay on average around twenty five to thirty dollars a ticket. Do you for I've, a new release? Um, I have a, I have um, I've been to the cinema in the United States quite a few times, Ben, as you know, because I travel over for, for premieres. For premieres quite often. Yes. And I have found the prices there comparable to Ireland, if not generally slightly cheaper. Oh, okay. Uh, Never yeah, mind. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. I mean, I think I, I think people who are complaining about like 25 books for a ticket, they're going to the Saturday matinee and they're including yeah. their drink and their sweets and their popcorn in it. Which Al- you don't have to have, Michael. You don't have Which to. Which you don't have to have. Also bear in mind that 25 books is probably about 19 euro. Yeah, which is probably what we'd pay for for a big fancy. Mm. Yeah, if you were to see Avengers Endgame in 3D on opening weekend on a Saturday night in the city centre. 19 yeah, euro, pay- 19 euro, pretty easy, pretty easy to spend out 19 euro on that. Pretty easy, not including the bloody Lewis fare to get in, the bloody, the no, bloody, bloody popcorn, the bloody you. sweets. Because bl- you'd have to get the sweets, Michael. You'd have to get the popped corn. 
be awful. Um, but I, I found it to be an interesting video, Michael, and um, it was only after a good friend of the podcast and my sometimes nemesis Shane pointed out that um, he's a little bit high and mighty there to be sitting there saying celebrities are more important than um, more important than the character themselves. I yeah, no, I, d- I, I disagree with him there. I disagree. To be honest, Ben, I watched that clip from him. It's not the most coherent. It's not something he's really thought out. He contradicts himself a couple of times. I think it was just off the cuff. It was probably something yeah. something to... The thing about Anthony Mackie is he's a comedian as well. And a, a big part of his draw is his kind of quickness and his little rants. And, mm. you know, they're not always the most well thought out things. So, yeah, I, I mostly disagreed with him. But then again, okay. my, my livelihood doesn't depend on a cult of personality developing around me. And, it doesn't. And people going, check out that latest Anthony Mackie joint. But I also found it kind of interesting because he's in a franchise where there is a huge cult of personality attached to two of the main actors, or three of the main actors. Who? Chris Hemsworth. Everybody goes to see Chris Hemsworth, Thor. No. They don't go to see... Nah. Nah. Do do they? Is it? Robert Downey Jr.? No. Come on. How did did Dr. Doolittle do there? Oh, yeah, fair. Yeah, how did Men in Black International do? Oh, that was a winner, Michael. Did you not see it? It was great. <laughs> That's, I think Anthony great. Mackie's right about that. Robert Downey Jr. has become one of the biggest movie stars in the world. But not as Robert Downey Jr., as Iron Man. Yeah, that's true. Okay. All right. Okay. See what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. No. I think it's important to focus on the storyline more than the... That's the whole reason we have this podcast, Michael. Exactly, Ben. Uh, exactly. Yeah, because we're focusing on the characters, not necessarily the people who play them. Um, no, it was just an interesting little aside, Michael. I found it... I found it but Benjamin, anyway, speaking about the cinema-going experience, good friend Go of on. the podcast Nine Wassies has given us a kind of alternative cinema-going experience that I've never heard of, but you had. So why don't you tell us very briefly about it? I had. Um, I have the pleasure of knowing somebody who works for this company. It is not sponsored just before that uh, goes out into the world. Uh, Mubi is an online streaming service. It's, a, it's an app and an online streaming service that uh, curates classic cinema. And yeah. basically what happens yeah. is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically um, it's, like a cin- it's like a cinema bin. Yeah, it is, exactly. It's a cinema that you can watch from your phone, Michael. Yeah. Um, and basically what happens is every month they choose a, a selection of classic films um, that they feel you might like to see. All the films are free as long as you pay the subscription fee. I think the subscription fee is around eight ninety nine, eight ninety nine a month, Nine. but they have a three-month trial at the moment, I think, because of COVID-19. Because of COVID-19, so you should check that out. Um, they do kind of themes... Uh, of of a week sometimes they'll do a sci-fi theme sometimes they'll do a western theme where they'll choose a catalogue of films um, that fall within that category and you can have a look at them they're usually international so if you don't like subtitles probably stay away or learn Uh, the bloody languages or learn the bloody languages did you see that from Hulu that was quite entertaining no did you see that little rant from Hulu no go on all of the uh, Korean cinema is now on Hulu the Parasite the uh, all the uh, classic ones from J- uh, Boon. Oh, I'm gonna get his name wrong. Boon Jung Ho. No. Yeah, close enough. The guy who won the Oscar. Um, <laughs> all all of his films have been uploaded to Hulu, and they've been inundated with complaints that they won't dub Parasite. And Hulu's response to that was, "If you don't like reading, learn Korean," because um, they're not going to dub it. Um, which I thought was was pretty good. Good on you. Good on you, Hulu. Yeah. I enjoyed that. And I thought that's what you were mimicking there. Anyway, back to Mubi, Michael, because yeah. that was a bit of a rant. Um, All right, calm down Mubi. there, Anthony Mackie. 
what they'll do <laughs> what they'll do is um basically yeah, go on. they'll give you a little breakdown on the film so that you can yeah. understand it a little better and then they provide useful links to learn more about the film after you've watched it oh very good um, and very often they'll do a retrospective on a director's work. Um, so for our particular uh, penchants and tastes, they might do a Jodorowsky, high concept, sci-fi, horror fest. And they take a look at some international horror cinema. And they give a little, they give a little video breaking down what they're going to be talking about. I've used it before, Michael. Um, and it's pretty good. And Michael, you said there were some pretty interesting things. I were because I'd never week. heard of it, Ben, until uh, Nine Wassies recommended it for us. And I had a quick look there today, and I not today, yesterday, and I saw Ben that nearly all of the Vengeance trilogy that you were going on about a couple of weeks ago are on there. Late Yapping my gums about Lady Vengeance is on there. Old Boy is on there this week. Yeah, so See, I mean, just go. Go check it out. It's yeah, it's it's kind of been a lot what like uh, a better version of what we were trying to achieve with collecting issues, our monthly book club. Yeah, almost a hundred times better. Yeah, um, due to corporate backing and a general yeah, budget. Yeah, 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 funding, funding, yeah. Yeah, funding is, is what helps, ladies and gentlemen. So, Mubi, if you'd like to do a collaboration <laughs> with us, um, we'd we'd love to do one with you. Yeah, Basically, if- you could. If you'd you like our watch that trilogy, <laughs> go on. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> I say, if you'd like our surface level breakdown of any of the films you're showing, uh, pop peppered in with some some quite basic level humor, then we'll do a team up. We're right here. We're not going anywhere. It's locked down. Yeah. Um, no, but what you could do is watch those uh, three films that we talked about last week, and more importantly, you could bloody listen to the podcast afterwards and see if you agree. Yeah, exactly. Um, so go check that out. Uh, an unofficial collaboration. <laughs> they don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, they don't know. Uh, the one that Nine Wasties recommended to us um, is Bacaro, which is a Brazilian Portuguese language uh, film, um, and it's a Western. Oh, um, and it's kind of like a Sergio Leone um, homage about a, a modern Brazilian town, and it's a bit bizarre. It's a bit uh, magical realism. It's a little bit. Uh, it's hugely politically satirical of the current establishment and right wing in Brazil. Um, and it looked like a bloody interesting film, Michael. I'll be watching it uh, tomorrow or this afternoon. It's Pence. Very good. On okay. Feeling. We'll have a bloody yeah. chat about it next week then. So bloody nine wassies. Uh, thank you very much. Another film, Ben, that I thought we would maybe take a look at. Have you ever heard of Gal- this? This sorry, this is a bit weird and rambly and apropos of nothing. But have you ever heard of Galaxy of Terror? Um, first of all, just before we continue, apropos of nothing would have been a great name for this podcast. Um, <laughs> and second of all, no, I haven't, Michael. Galaxy no, of Terror is a Roger Corman film. It was a kind of alien ripoff. Oh, an alien ripoff from um, from the late early 80s i think or maybe the late 70s but behind the scenes one of the most important and influential movies ever made in and in i've what way michael uh, well i'll we'll get into it next week because i'm actually going to watch the damn thing but i've been watching a few um it was i've been watching a few youtube videos about it and i've been reading a few articles about it it's a fascinating film uh okay so i, I might watch the thing and we'll have a chat about it next week but ben amongst other things it was the basically the film that got a young Jim Cameron started. A, a young Jim Cameron? A young Jimmy C. Who went on to direct such classic films as, as bloody Avatar and Avatar 2. Oh, wait, Avatar 2 is not out. That's not out. Yeah, that's not happening. Um, yeah, he took a brief <laughs> bake from being under the sea in a submarine to come up and make some films. 
I think he does that every once in a while. I think at this stage, Michael, it would probably be better if he stayed under the sea in his little submarine. Well, you lay off Jimmy C, Ben. I'm going oh, to right, watch, watch Galaxy of Terror for next week's episode and we'll have a little chat about it. Galaxy of Terror. Um, third note, can we change the name of this podcast to Apropos Nothing? It's too late, Ben. It's too late. <laughs> I, quite, I, I quite like that as it's a title It's probably taken as well. I'm going to write it down and I'm going to search that afterwards and if it's not taking, we're changing the name of the podcast. Oh, right. Uh, apropos, no, we're not going to change the name of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We're too, too egotistical late. to do that. It's too late, Ben. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, I, I may just start my own podcast called Apropos Nothing. Very good. Apropos, apropos of Mick. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, no, that wouldn't work because I'm not funny without Mick. It doesn't work. No. Um, I'm just I'm just a moody guy that sits in the corner in black clothing and talks about tropes. Yeah. So I'm here to talk about no tropes, goods. guys. And when you hear about these tropes. <laughs> when you hear about these tropes. Benjamin. Oh, have I got some tropes for you. Speaking of tropes, isn't it always funny in popular culture when uh, when fiction invents its own pantheon of gods? Ah, it's ah, smooth as, Michael. Apropos of nothing as usual. Um and uh, yeah, so basically, Michael, the day that we're recording this, this yep. very day, it tis tis Easter Sunday. Tis Easter Sunday, the the egging of days, twenty twenty. Yeah, um, the day when the mythical elder god Istiara Bunny uh, <laughs> d- descends from his other realm. Yeah, and uh, sows his children in the earth. Yeah, um, and they come in the form of of chocolatey eggs. Mm, delicious um, and. And four months from then, they will burst from the earth and devour humanity. Um, no, of course, I'm talking, I'm talking about, about Easter, Easter Bunny, Bunny Michael. Michael. It's Easter. Because it's yeah. Easter. Um, and it got me thinking, Michael, I love an elf fictional yeah, you do. deity. Uh, it's, it's my bread yeah, and butter, it's Michael. Your, it's my, it's my your, whole vibe. It's your chocolate egg. It's your it's your chocolate egg, um, and it got me it got me thinking, Michael. So I've put together a little episode, and we're going to be taking a look at some of the more interesting bloody deities, fictional deities. Um, of course, Ben. Days. I mean, <laughs> okay. technically, Michael. Of course, you know, you know what we're saying. <laughs> Do you know what I'm getting uh, at, well, Ben? I'll tell you what. <laughs> i tell you what, Michael. I think Nine Wassies can say it better because he commented on her Instagram story saying, I said, who are your favorite fictional gods? And he said, <laughs> Jesus. Good. So yeah, I think that's good. what we're getting at, Michael. So I think that's this, what we're getting uh, this at. This week's episode is about the alleged historicity of Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes. Um, we've partnered with the History <laughs> Channel uh, to make an in-depth documentary about is Jesus an alien? That's that's the big question. Um, no, I to to set up the rules for this particular little uh, ditty, Michael. We often talk about lore and mythology, but uh, you and I often deep dive into uh, representations of real-world yes. mythologies. Yes, in fiction. So we'll take a look at a Thor yeah. or a Cucullin. Um, and we'll take a look at that. However, Go this on. time, Michael, we're taking a look at completely fictional, made up for a specific yeah. property. So all gods, gods is what you're and monsters. There. Yeah, I mean, again, Michael. You see what I'm getting again, at, Michael, Ben? Lay you off. see what I'm getting at? <laughs> lay all, off there, Mick. Just, just give it up. They're all imaginary. Give it up. Is what Mick. I'm saying. Um, so, so Michael, I've, I've taken a look at a range of different topics, from video games to yes, literature, uh, to to all kinds of things, and we're going to take a look at mm. that today, Michael. Delicious. Look at today. The inspiration is the thing. Um, I'm, I'm yeah. going to start with. We're going to we start now? with Michael. Bloody Mortal one of the Kombat. best. Mortal Kombat. That was pretty slick, Michael. That was pretty slick. I quite enjoyed it. So, I mean, we're all introduced to one very important uh, god in Mortal Kombat, and that's uh, Thunder He's God. One of the best. 
He can do a teleport. Got that funky hat game. He can do a teleport. He can shoot a lightning at you. He can do more lightning until you explode. He can fly across the room horizontally. And give you an L shove. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, with regards to this particular thing, there there are gods all over there Mortal are. Kombat, Michael. Um, and they can sometimes be beaten up by movie stars, by Johnny Cage. So I don't know how powerful they are as gods. Um, but look, Michael, I took a look. I, I had a little I had a little nosy around the uh, the old Mortal Kombat ideology and yes. belief system, the yes, pantheon. Yes. Um, and it's pretty interesting, Michael. There are there are distinct realms in the L yes. Mortal Kombat. The, the three realm. particular ones are the, the very creatively yes. named Earth Outworld. Realm. Um, oh. Outworld again, just just really stretching oh. the the creative juices there. And then there's yeah. the Nether Realm as well, which is the it's around the, the crotch. Dead oh no, the sorry, yes. No, no. Uh, and apparently, yes. apparently, there are various guardians for the different Earth realms. Realm. Uh, what's the Who's the guardian of your crotch, Michael? Is that Ed or Taylor? personality. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps my crotch perfectly untouched. I think we've peaked. I think that's it. I think we're done. Um, <laughs> oh, that's good. Very pick, good. Michael. Um, anyway, um, moving on from there. Each realm yes. gets a protector. And Raiden is Earthrealm Protector. He's he's uh, the former Elder God of Thunder, and now he's just currently a Didn't he, God of Thunder. Is there a thing whereupon he became less powerful in order to take part in Mortal Kombat? Because he wasn't... Go on. He, he did. He was an yeah. Elder God previous to that. And Elder Gods are uh, the more traditional versions of a deity that we would kind of associate with someone like a... I suppose more of a Titan, like Kronos right. or something like that in Greek mythology. And um, yeah, he, because Shao Kahn's acting yeah. the Mickey, um, Shao Kahn is the the overlord and dictator, I guess, of Outworld. And it yeah. turns out that Outworld used to have a protector as well. And it was none other than Mr. Shao Kahn. Shao Kahn was uh, supposed to be the protector oh. of Outworld and to but defend it from a evil and stuff like that. Turned into a bad egg. Classic, classic bit of Shao Kahning. Um And yeah, basically... Um, Raiden was like, well, don't you go acting the bollocks now and I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take care of electricity. And then everyone was like And then everyone was like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 Mr. Been around since the dawn of time deity. I think uh, somebody's on the roids there. So how about we uh get off those performance enhancing yeah. powers there, bud? And you just kick yeah, it so down a notch. We're gonna reduce you to a level of a guy whose special move is doing the splits and punching in the groin. Hadouken oh, wrong, franchise, wrong franchise, sorry. Wrong franchise. But uh, yeah, as I said, he's a thunder god, Michael, and he takes a, a serious amount of inspiration from the old, the old thunder bears from real world mythology, the old Zeus's mm-hmm. and Thors. Um, but his main inspiration, and again, just showing off the creativity of um, of the creators of Mortal Kombat, is Ray Jin, which is very yes. close to Raiden, if you're yeah. into phonetics. Uh, and Ray Jin is the Japanese mm. god of thunder. Um, so he's a big bloody... Uh, flaming headed god that loves hurling thunder and lightning he's all, about he's also very um, heavily inspired Ben I'm pretty sure we've talked about this on the podcast before he was very 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 heavily inspired by the storms the three storms of Trouble in Little China you, oh, you remember on. the big film Big Trouble in Little China don't you I did I watched oh, it did specifically you? for that episode which episode yes 
the episode where we discussed that. You discussed it with not Did with we? me, with Shane. And I went. Sure I we went and watched. I don't afterwards. remember that. Yes. God. I, we haven't done a full retrospective. God, it was we've a, done it was a lot of podcasts. Upon. We should. We. We should do one on. There's going to be a remake, isn't there? Uh, I'm going to write that down. Oh. Anyway, the Jack Burton is who's Jack Burton? Is, yeah, the character Jack. Oh, Burton. the character. Sorry, the character. I who's would say play, probably they'd get Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> but uh, Tom Cruise, yeah, Tom older Cruise. than than the original. What was I saying? Yes, in that there are three storms. I think it's three, and they are thunder, lightning, and rain, or something like that. And uh, yeah, yeah, they very much inspired Raiden's look. Yeah, they have the L costume, the wide brimmed the hat, the, the hat. shooting electricity, uh, the big glowy eyeballs. Classic. They one thing, one thing they very don't big, have very though, that Raiden did have is a French accent. No, that's from noted French podcast Lambert. Christopher Lambert. Yeah, or Lambert if you really want to piss him Raiden's off. Raiden's good. I like Raiden. Raiden's my favorite character uh, in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I like doing a shooting of lightning. He? I like shooting in electricity. I like uh, flying across the screen vertically and then giving someone a shove. Ah, Just a little shove. You love a spinny shove. Benjamin, to- sorry to go off topic here. Yeah. I'm talking about uh, lightning gods and Raiden. Apropos Apro- of nothing, Ben, but who is that nothing. man over your right shoulder? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you know exactly who it is, Michael. I can't make uh, it out. It's uh, a bit blurry. Is it Michael Collins? This is Michael Collins. This is it's, a picture of Michael Collins in your living room. Yeah. Oh, that's... Yeah, hang on. I, I, I'm going to have to put this on good. the gram. <laughs> there he is. Yeah. There's the big fill himself. So he's just now. hanging out. Just, he's just hanging out back Brilliant. there. Excellent. Okay. Uh, what were we saying? Uh, do you have any, do you have any more funny gods to talk about? Yeah, anyway... Um, I mean, Raiden is, is far more traditional God, Michael. Like I said, he belongs to a pantheon and, and it's an established belief system. But I'm also right. into real funky gods Go that kind of pop up um, out of nowhere and are specifically created in, in different things. I love a neutral God, Michael. I don't necessarily like gods that are, are good and evil. I like weird oh, gods that like yeah, to watch. Good. I like the voyeur gods, the, the, the kinky gods, you know yourself. Um, and one of the ones that I found, Michael, is from kind of, I suppose it's, cult classic game Dishonored I think certain people love it, it certain people hate it um, it's it's a first person um, assassins game Michael it, it would have been it would have come out during that big boom of stealth based games around the Thief. Arkham Asylum time that kind of thing yeah it was a PS3 year thing I'd say it draws a lot of its inspiration right. heavily from right. Thief actually um, in terms of aesthetic and stuff like that um, it's a Victorian oh, very good. steampunk love narrative and uh, no, I hate it, Michael. But um, the, the the world building is quite interesting, Michael. It's a very grim Victorian era kind of steampunky um, town. And it's it's set around uh, a man called Corvo. And Corvo is the bodyguard for the Empress. Yes. Uh, he's also, he's also slipping into the Empress fecker. on the side. <laughs> uh, and basically, unfortunately for Mr. Corvo, um, and I think the BBC drew a large amount of inspiration for their hit series, The Bodyguard, from this. Um, the Empress is assassinated oh. in the opening act of the game, um, and he is framed oh. for her her murder. Um, yes, and when he is trapped in a cell, he is approached by a mysterious oh. entity known as the Outsider. Um, and the Outsider, oh, he's a bloody, he's a bloody skulky, yeah. shadowy, bloody man. Um, 
And he looks a little bit like Johnny Depp from uh, what was the name of that awful film? <laughs> <he did Tim Burton? laughs> well, now where do we start there? Uh, I, see I, I think you mean. Uh, you see what I, I did I there? I do think you mean Sweeney Todd there. No, I don't. I mean, uh, I mean the one he, where he played Christmas. a vampire. Barnabas Collins. Dark he plays Barnabas Shadows. Collins. What one was that? Dark. Yeah. Dark Shadows That was it That was it It was bloody awful um, He looks very like that guy But with a With a form-fitting oh, Hot Topic jacket um, And basically um, He bestows yeah. upon Mr. Corvo uh, Power Through something called The Mark So he places A, a guy called tattoo, Mark An edgy tattoo On the back of Mr. Corvo's hand A guy called Mark A little guy called oh, Mark Is placed on the back of his hand um, Yes It's very interesting um, And then basically It turns into a buddy cop film Between Corvo And his little buddy Mark And they kind of Go and get revenge For the murdered empress No I'm kidding Michael Um after he's bestowed with the mark, he kind of manifests a series of bloody grim and gothic powers uh, so he can go about the town assassinating oh, the bejesus out of people. Um, and as the story unfolds, we get a little bit more about the insider. We don't, or the outsider. <laughs> the insider. Um, we, get, <laughs> we get a little bit more information on that. And it turns out that the outsider is an avatar for, for the kind of governing belief system of this, of this yeah. world, which is the void. Um, and the void is kind of a... A parallel Good. dimension to ours. Um, and the void seems to be a big kind of manifestation oh, like of thing. chaos incarnate. Um, yes. And as we go through the world yes. of Dishonored, it gets kind of more and more interesting. Because in Dishonored 1, we just know that the outsider yeah. is the god of the void. And then through various DLCs yes. and Dishonored 2, um, we find out that the the outsider is actually a, a human avatar to the void. So he was once human. He's now a god... Um, but has, it was once a little human he boy, has undergone, a little orphaned boy. Apothesis. Apothesis. Apothesis or something like that. He, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the simpler. Yes. He ascended to godhood. Um, he ascended to godhood through a pretty awful ritual. He was kidnapped yeah. by a bunch of people, um, and sacrificed yeah. in the void. Um, so what's what's interesting is the outsider is not one fixed deity, but a revolving door of deities. He always becomes the outsider, but the outsider can be removed or killed. And so the void can exist uh, without an avatar for a while, which means gods don't have influence over the the mortal world for a while until they're given a new avatar. Um, and I like this kind of thing, Michael. And one of my favorite things about the outsider, Michael, is he's not uh, right, omniscient. Then. He doesn't see all and do all. So what he is, is he's uh, partially precognitive. So he can see glimpses of the future. And then what he does is he interacts with people he feels will heavily affect the future. Um, And he gives them his mark. He gives them the mark of of the outsider. And that lets them manifest powers. But the most interesting thing, Michael, is that those powers manifest Ah. differently for each individual. Um, And there have only really been around 12 people within the history of humankind that have borne the mark of the outsider. Um, But basically he interacts with those. And it's quite funny because there are cults all over the world of Dishonored in his honor. Where people try to gain his favor. And he has absolutely no time for them, Michael. Because he was a young man who was sacrificed by a cult to become the avatar of the void. Get out of here, Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, So I'm... I'm really fascinated. Oh, 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 one of these days we are going to be on a Scientology blacklist. <laughs> it's going to be awful. 
Yay. Our lives will be made a living hell. And oh, Louis Thoreau will do a documentary on us. Um, probably good for podcast listens. Yep. And probably good for podcast listens. We'll probably rock it then. Um, if you want to help us get no, podcast no, no. listens, Jamie. <laughs> no, don't. Don't tell, <laughs> don't tell the cult of Scientology. Uh, just uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. spread us Much about on your Instagram. Um, but anyway, one of my favorite things about this um, particular god is that he just likes to watch. He's quite fascinated. And he's kind of... Um, so he likes to watch the outcome. He's fascinated by choice and morality and things like that. And he likes to watch the outcome as it uh, spins along. He's quite heavily influenced, Michael, I would imagine, by some of the classic Victorian uh, deities. A lot of Victorian fiction, um, especially when it came to the horror genre um, or the supernatural genre of fiction, they would take kind of lesser gods from established pantheons. For example, your pans um, or something like that. And they turned them into big twisted things that kind of manifested themselves slowly over time. A creeping mm. possession, if you will. Uh, not an outright possession, Michael, but a kind of corruption oh, of the mind over time through exposure to different things. I've talked about it before um, on the podcast, Michael. We have people like the King in Yellow, um, who's popped up a couple of times in modern incarnations. Um, we have famous Victorian ghost story, The Yellow Wallpaper, where someone is driven demented by decaying yellow wallpaper. Um, it sounds bizarre, but it's actually quite good. Um, and then we have something like uh, Pan, who's kind of a god of hedonism and decadence. And he kind of preys on the the, the willing and the interested. Um, it's, it's Yeah, I mean, it's it's all very decadent, twisted and, and odd and thing. But I like the idea of a void being interested in stirring up chaos in our mm. uh, dimension. Very good. I like, I like all that. Um, very, very Lovecraftian. Benjamin, speaking of uh, neutral gods, Go gods who don't get involved, gods who don't really are good or evil, it's hard to get more neutral than good old Crom. 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 Ben, to give us a very Crom. quick, who is Crom even? Crom is the fictional deity to whom uh, exactly. Conan refuses to pray to. Um Crom is, I suppose, very similar to the outsider in the fact yeah. that he doesn't care much for belief. Yeah. He doesn't really give a toss. Um, it's from Robert E. Howard's fantasy Conan um, the Barbarian. Conan. Um, it's probably more than likely, Michael, inspired by the, the Celtic tradition of Crom Dove or Crom Crook, um, who was a murder god in no, Scottish Celtic mythology. Good research, Ben. Bloody murder gods. So yes, yes. The good thing about Crom research, Ben Michael. is in the Robert E. Howard books about Crom, about about Conan, there's yes. no evidence that Crom is real. Because Conan yes. doesn't doesn't pray to him. Uh, all Crom does is no. that when you're born, he gives you life and the ability to kill, and that's it. That's his dealings with you. That's all you're getting out of that's Crom. That's all you need. After that, he doesn't really care. The worst thing you could do is pray to him because then you get his attention and he's not very helpful and he might be spiteful. Yeah, he's a big he's, murder guy. He's, he's capricious, fucker. And the whole relationship seems to be not very not very useful. But then, Ben, in the films, he becomes a bit more of a of a real... Not, I mean, we, we don't see him in the films or anything, but Arnold does pray to him. Yeah, he yeah. and he asks for Crom's help to get revenge for his wife, and then he like prays to Crom in the second film. He prays to Crom quite a bit. No, you shouldn't pray to Crom because the worst thing you could do is get Crom's attention. Because well, he Cause just doesn't capricious. care. He's just a prick. So 
this big old spiteful all prick. All throughout Crom's um, existence, I, Ben, the one, the one defining question about Crom was, does Crom exist? Like, sometimes people will curse someone by invoking Crom's name, but then Crom will never actually just personally strike that person down. Until, Ben, no. No, this year, this very year's uh, Marvel Comics, Conan the Life and Death and Conan the Barbarian. We actually well, we met Crom. No, he was a prick. Nice guy. He was an absolute prick. No, he was, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant... No, not Cron. Podcast Crom. We haven't been saying Cron. We've been Cron, saying, ah. We've been saying Cron. That's what I got wrong. You got mixed up again. That's what I got wrong. Sorry, Cron. Um, Sorry, Cron. I got confused. No, in this, Ben, we met Cron. And it turned out that when Conan died, in the afterlife, Ben, he kept trying to scale a mountain to reach the top of the mountain to confront Cron. Crom, not Cron, not our yeah, friend Cron. He's, he's like, <laughs> Jesus, this is confusing. <laughs> I would watch a YouTube channel called Crom Crafts, where a murderous deity makes little that would be good, kind of wouldn't Warhammer it? figurines. That would be stuff. very good. I'm, yeah, I'm very I'm interested in that. Crom yeah. Crafts, Crom, if you're listening, Crom, go on, start a YouTube saying. channel there. Yeah, not Cron. Crom, yeah, yeah, Crom, Crom, yeah, Crom. <laughs> Anyway, Conan, Conan is scaling, scaling the, mountain. the mountain. Why is he scaling the mountain? Because he's making love to the mountain. He lo- That's a William Shatner joke there. What was I saying? He's scaling the mountain, Ben, because he wants to get to the top of the mountain and presumably punch Crom in the head. But guess what? Not Crom! Crom! He wants to punch Crom in the head, not Crom. No one would punch Crom in the head. So, what, what am I saying? When he gets to the top of the mountain, guess what he finds out, Ben? You know, Crom is the mountain. <laughs> <gasps> He's not dun, a god who dun. lives on top of the mountain, but he is Ben, the very mountain itself. And then he brings him back to yes. life and stuff. So yeah, yes. after like nearly a hundred years of Conan, Marvel Comics took the step of confirming that Crom is definitely real and having Conan speak to him. It was a big, it was a and, big ooh, development boy. Ben in the world of Conan. Yes. I, I think it, it also marks out Crom as, as a, a very powerful deity because um the reason that that uh Conan dies in the first place um in that particular run is that uh, he's facing up against a, a, blood a demonic god. red force. Um a blood god that's supposed to be the end of all mm. uh creation in the Hy- the Hyborian Hy- Age. The it's Earth. Place. No, it's Earth. The Hyborian Age. It's supposed to be the but, end um, of the Hyborian Age. In, in the comic, Crom, not Crom, not our friend Crom, Crom, the god Crom, says Raziel, the blood god, will wreck things for a while, but then the other gods will all sort it out and everything will go back to normal. Yeah, so basically, yeah. I don't need to get involved get here, here Um But it turns out that if Crom decides to get involved, he's more powerful than Raziel and other blood all gods. Right, so he's on, just like, back, okay, you're fine. You're, you're immortal on, now, you son think. of a bitch. Um... It's it's pretty interesting, isn't it? That that Crom can all just right, you're be like, now. Off okay, you go. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll just defy all the yeah, other gods. Like Have fun. <laughs> yeah, he's good. I I find that fascinating. Yeah, Crom's Crom just does his own thing. He's just he's just completely against following the will of the gods. Um, speaking of people yes, who don't follow the will of the gods, Michael, bloody Kratos from uh, he's got from a nice beard. God of War series on PS. Three and four. He's got a lovely beard, Michael. I'd imagine you think I'm probably too Kratos. small now, Ben, because I'm doing so much running. Uh, I don't know. I'm not weighing myself. 
That's yeah, fair it's enough. It's probably a healthy choice. Simplicity. What did, what did Clive, Coach Clive said, uh, the dedication to the simplicity of it is the thing. I don't know if Coach, Coach Clive, Clive was Coach? quoting it. Oh, that's hard to say. Or if uh, or if he just came up yeah, with himself. It? But yes, uh, I'm not weighing myself. I'm just doing it. Okay, fair enough. I respect yeah. that. That's, that's respectable. Um, anyway, moving on from there. Uh, Kratos, God of War. Um, he's the last Spartan. He's 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 got all kinds of mythology built around him. But there's no such thing as Kratos in the original Iliad or the Odyssey or whatever you want to call it. He's not a traditional character in Greek myth, but he does ascend to become I the see. God of War. Um, and to do that, Michael, he bloody removes the old one because there was already yeah. a God of War, Ares. Um, and he bloody takes care of him. Um, and it's just interesting to see, again, a mortal ascend to absolute godhood and become the god of war. Uh, it's quite an interesting story there. It's where they play with an established pantheon, the Greek pantheon, mm-hmm. the Dodecathedon, uh, the original 12 gods of Greek myth. Um, and my god, Michael, I don't think anything has done more to just paint the gods in the least Real kind bunch of dickheads. <laughs> That they could have. They're in, in the God of War games, there is nothing you enjoy more than pummeling gods into a bloody paste. Because they're, they're all, all selfish. They're all conniving. They're all dickheads. And there is nothing quite as enjoyable as an L pummeling of a god. Um, that goes <laughs> on for four games, Michael. He works his way through... He works his way through every single deity, character, demigod, semigod, kind of god, legendary figure in Greek mythology and just eradicates them all. Yes. And then, Michael, he moved to a whole other pantheon. <laughs> and now he's doing the exact same old Kratos shenanigans the old Norse with, gods. Um, with the bloody gods of Norse mythology. Um and I find it very interesting, Michael. It's an interesting continuation of de- deification. Um, and what's most interesting, Michael, is it turns out that he's now weaving the story of Norse mythology. So spoilers for... Yeah, big uh, spoilers here. War here they come. Here, uh, they, here come the big spoilers. The, la- the latest one in, in PS4. Here they come. So they're coming. If you haven't played it and, you're, and you don't want to know him, yeah. um, he has a son. And he had a son um, with, with the bloody giantess. Um, and that son is none other than bloody Loki. Oh. He's going to be the death of the gods. Um, so it turns out that it wasn't Odin who adopted him, um, but it was bloody Kratos who had a son, a god killer, which is interesting because Kratos is yeah. the original Greek god. son is going to take over. Um, and I mean, death of the gods as as a part of fiction is is huge, Michael. Um, we love an L death of gods. I, I don't think anybody does that any better than our friends over at Supernatural. They're always like, killing gods. Oh, they just they just roam around, ganking them, as Dean would say. It's yeah. uh, it's terrible. Death of God. It's a great piece of fiction writing. Uh, Michael, hello, Benjamin. Yes. For the first time in quite a while, I watched some Buffy the Vampire Slayer, specifically Benjamin, because we're talking about fictional gods. I watched the series which evolved around a fictional god, series five. Series five. Oh, oh, what fictional god was that, Michael? Well, it's a made-up god, Ben. What that's well, that's aren't they all, Michael? That's what aren't we're. They uh, aren't they all? Uh, you, know, you see what I'm saying? Welcome to this podcast on the alleged historicity of Jesus Christ, uh, Benjamin. <laughs> aliens. What, what I, I knew it was aliens. Um, in this season, the big bad, as you know, Ben Buffy is very famous for his big bads. But the big bad was uh, a sexy lady called Glory, Ooh. and and Glory turned out to be a hell god. And she was a god of a hell dimension, and her real name was Glorificus. 
Which Terrible is the, name. Great name. Absolutely great name. Terrible and name. And Glorificus was one of a pantheon of three hell gods, but she became too powerful and the other two teamed up to banish her from their hell dimension. Classic. So they banished her to Earth, Ben. Oh, no. There's nothing worse. To hell or to Earth. That's what they but, say down there. Ben, they couldn't, because she was so powerful, they, they, they couldn't kill her. And they had no way of really stopping her from taking over the Earth dimension either. So they put her into the body of a young man. They what? Crea- they created a young human boy and put her essence into him. But he didn't know. Oh, that's all very risque. Yeah, he didn't know. And every now and then she would get control and he would morph into her and then do evil hell god things. But then he would wake up and not know what had happened and why he was wearing a dress. So it was a strange Roman Hulk, is what you're saying? Yeah, kind of. It was like if, if instead of the Hulk inside you, you had an evil, sexy lady, hell dimension god. And, and tell me, Michael, when, yes. when, he, when he transformed, did, did he transform into a sexy hell god lady? Yes. Oh, well, that, that ticks several of my boxes. Okay. Oh, yes. And Ben, you'll be delighted to hear his name is Ben. Ah, sure, look, sure, listen. That's sure. really what you've been building up to with this. That's, that's what I was saying, Ben, that every Ben has inside them a strong, confident lady. Um, <laughs> because I was so distracted by the last couple of episodes. Because, Ben, by the time the last couple of episodes roll around, the, the magical barrier between them is starting to break down. So they become aware of each other. And, and they uh, they start conflicting. And, you know, he's influencing her. And they oh, it's a classic keep, dilemma. They keep switching backwards and forwards quickly with a classic 90s morph. Oh, no way. But that the best bit awful. is when... She, no, it's fine, actually. It's it's pretty good. I mean, Buffy is still very good. It's not as good as it was because it's it's a bit odd. It's a bit slow, actually, compared to modern TV. It's also time is not really great for any 90s thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but there are some great lines... Uh, where basically people give out to Ben. So it really loaded me up with ammo that I'm going to use over the coming couple of weeks. All right, okay. Um, I've, record- I've recorded some of the clips, Ben, so we can upload them to YouTube over the next couple of days. Great. <laughs> Great. <laughs> or Instagram. Or Instagram. Yeah, we'll put it on the gram. We'll yeah. put it on the gram. But uh, Glory, Glorificus then, Ben, they all have to do a team up to beat her up and stuff like that. But... Yeah. Uh, she was the first of the kind of hell dimension gods in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. In Buffy the Vampire Slayer's ever ever increasing need to top the previous year's big bad. It's always the problem. Isn't it? It's supernatural syndrome. Yeah. It's like, oh, as soon as Sam and Dean save the world from the apocalypse, it's game over, lads. Like, yeah. You've done it. You've peaked. But- but Buffy, rather than bringing in Christian mythology and going straight to gods and angels and vampires and Lucifer and stuff like that, Buffy never really did that. It instead went to infinite hell dimensions ruled over by capricious hell gods. Ah, capricious. What a word. The other the other kind of powerful one was Ilaria. Do you remember Ilaria? I don't. I have not watched much of Buffy at all. Ilaria was uh, in, um, in Angel and she inhabited the body of Fred. Fred was the kind of bookish librarian lady who was a main part of uh, Angel's team. And she was killed and her soul was permanently destroyed and replaced with Ilaria, the hell god. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, well she, there you go. 
But she didn't spend most of the episode giving out about a person called Ben, so I found that less amusing. Yeah, that would be for you. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty amusing. I'll send you some clips. You'll enjoy it. You won't enjoy it, but I'll enjoy I it. Bet I, I bet I won't. I bet I won't. I'll send you, I'll, I'll send you pictures of my sad face reactions. <laughs> um, so you can enjoy that. Happy Easter, Michael. Just for you. Oh, um, just to finish us off, Michael, um, we're going to take a look at Bloody Discworld, Michael. Bloody Discworld. Discworld. Um, where, where belief, Michael, uh, for those of you that don't know, Discworld is oh, the yeah, I like huge this about Discworld. fictional universe um, that Terry Pratchett created in his long-running series of novels um, all about that world. Um, and one of the really interesting things and the central governing force, the same way that gravity and other scientific principles run here uh, in Discworld, is belief. Um, b- belief is the, the, the number one running thing forget about your entropy forget about your bloody your bloody sun coming up sun going down gravity celestial circulation stuff like that nope it's all about belief in the Discworld universe Um, it has a coined phrase all things in Discworld exist in potentia Mm. um, which means that basically everything has the potential to manifest Um, and really depending on how much is believed in um, that's what comes true. So, for example, to give you a, a very good um, example of this, in one of the novels, which yes. is uh, Equal Rights, all about witches. Yes. Uh, a series of witches who are less experienced debate the best spell to turn a cat into a human. And the Supreme Witch, uh, Granny Weatherwax is her name. She's a recurring character. Um, she decides that, she explains to them that the best way to turn a cat into a human is to convince the cat that it's human in the first place. Um, so if you convince the cat at a core level that it is a human, it will in fact become a human. And that's exactly what happens. Because in Discworld, that's exactly how it works. Um, which means, Michael, that gods yes. take on a whole new meaning um, within that world. So um, as I said before, uh, gods in Discworld... Uh, exist in potentia. So basically, any time a moment of significance occurs, yes, um, a god will manifest to become the bearer of that thing. Um, so I think this is a little bit of a parody of the Greek god system, where gods are given responsibilities um, over ridiculous things. Uh, for example, the, the hearth of your fireplace and stuff like that. There's a god for that. And there's a there's a god for nettles and a god for dirt on a track and then dirt on an off-road track and stuff like that. And this is really a parody of all that. Um, so basically, what happens in this world is anytime something of significant happens, it could be two snails crossing paths, there will be a god of that. And then yes. that god's existence is determined by how much it's believed in. Um, and that god's power level is determined by that. Um, their version of Olympus is a place called Dun Manifestin, okay? um, which is hilarious for a number of reasons, Michael. First of all, it's a nice little nod to all the various uh, Duns in the J.R. Tolkien run, mm-hmm. uh, Dun and all that kind of stuff. But also, Dun Manifesting means that the god is fully formed. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get is, it, uh, I get it, I get it. bloody classic, uh, classic, Michael. But, for example, some of the gods that we have there, Michael, are uh, Augur, who is the god of squashed animals. Yeah. Uh, Bilius, who's the god of hangovers. Yes. Um, and um, oh, her name is Agria, and she's the god of things stuck in drawers. Oh, yes. Uh, so, you know, when you're trying to open a drawer and you say, oh, for God's sake, how did that even get stuck? Who bought this? How does that yes. work? 
Um, that is literally you're praying to the god of, of stuck drawers at that point. Um, and I really enjoy all this, Michael. And then my favorite thing about the belief system in um, in Discworld. Discworld, yeah, Discworld, yeah. Is that the number one enemy of gods staying manifested is churches. Um, because when a church outgrows its god... Or yes. when when dogma and religious rules become more important than the God itself, the God actually begins to lose its belief because the belief system is in the church, not in the, the God. No, oh, no. Um, so when you strip the personality from a God through dogma and uh, minute hair splitting. The film Dogma. Uh, yeah, no, not that one. No, no, no. Dogma was the thing before Kevin Smith got his hands on it. Okay. Um, dogma is the dogmatic and... Uh, stubborn pursuit of exact religious law Michael dogma Um, or carrying out uh, the will of God to the letter of the book so to speak so zero interpretation allowed Um, and again that's kind of I suppose a satire of all modern religion where mega churches exist in the United States and things like that and you kind of pick your favourite preacher and it's a cult of personality something Anthony Mackie would probably be very much for (laughs) <laughs> You've tied it all back in together at the end. See what I did there? See what I, did I there, like Margo? Small God. Small God is probably my favorite Harry Potter book. It's probably the best one, Michael. One of the best ones. Probably. Probably. Small God's great old book. Check it out. Chickity check. I won't. I've already read it. Okay. Le- ladies and gentlemen, chickity check it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Michael, yeah. will we wrap it up? Wrap it up there, Benjo. Ladies and gentlemen, do you believe in life after podcast? There are do you many, many ways. In <laughs> life after podcast. Uh, Can one of the you number feel something inside you say you really don't think it's next week's episode. Yeah. One of the ways that you can pray to the I Apple Paul of Nothing podcast. I can't do this. <laughs> I know the- <laughs> this episode is long. You don't need to listen anymore. You don't need to listen. No, do please listen. Please do. Uh, one of the ways you can pray to the Apropos of Nothing podcast um, <laughs> is that you can take part in the One Punt Man Challenge and every drop of sweat that you spill in the challenge will actually be a tribute to the gods of Michael and Benjamin's podcast. Oh, very um, much. So you can do that. If you're not sure what we're talking about there, check out the bloody gram. Um, what are your favorite fictional deities, ladies and gentlemen? Which which kind of gods and monsters did you enjoy the most from your various fictional properties that you consume? Um, have you used movie as a service? Will you be using movie as a service? Um, ladies and gentlemen, as I said, things are getting a little bit tight on the old content release end of things. Um, and if, <laughs> a few suggestions for episodes would not go amiss. If there's something you'd like covered on the podcast, please do get in touch with us. There are a number of ways you can do that. Uh, if you like the traditional 90s approach to the internet, you can go to our website, <laughs> shomerbug.com. What have you got against websites? <laughs> shomerbug.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. If you'd like to be more of a Gen Zer, you can get in touch with us on the gram at Shomrabiog, S-E-O-M or A-B-E-A-G. It, also, still, it still means tiny room in Irish, yeah. still means tiny room in Irish. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening to us there, you can give us an L review. Give us an L review. Um, that would be great for us. If you're listening to us on Spotify, bloody follow us there and share us on your Instagram story for other people to listen to and stick them in your ear holes. Um, and then finally, if you're listening to us on Google Podcasts, I still don't know what you're supposed to do. Give give your screen a little pat on the head like a good dog. I, I don't yeah, know. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's it exactly. That's it, exactly. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's it from us this week. Uh, Michael, is there anything you'd like to say to the ladies and gentlemen before we go? Yes, uh, I w- I, we're inevitably going to get people talking about the Warhammer gods. We, we did 
think of them, but Ben wouldn't let me talk about them because we talked about them before. I didn't say that. You could have talked that about them. That was your exact words. Time. No, they weren't. All right, listen, and bye-bye. <laughs> bye, see you next week. Bye. bye. Very good. Very amusing. Good Hang episode. Hang on. My uh, bloody mouse has decided to stop working. Oh. So I hope that, cannot, cannot hope stop. That, hope that was recording. Oh, yeah. Can I go say hi to Ben? No, we're still recording. No, you're not. We are.